I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. And our study on the cross last week, and we're going to continue the same thought this week, is, is the working of the cross to bring about discipline. Discipline in our lives. You know, a lot of people, again, don't like to talk about discipline. It seems like we're living in a very undisciplined society, an undisciplined era. And uh, we are. It doesn't just seem that way. We are. But we ourselves, if we'll allow the Lord to work in us, He wants to make us our lives ordered. He wants to make us, not that they're, they're, uh, they're joyless or, or anything like that. We're not going to be robots, but disciplined to where we're strengthened for the day in which we live. We don't back down when we face a, an enemy or a foe that's stronger uh, or, or mightier than we are. And, and God wants us to be disciplined in, in order. And I want you to read this with me in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. Now, this is the last time that Paul was going to be with these uh, different disciples and pastors and people that gathered in, in Ephesus, I believe. And he says, that, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing what things shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost. Witness it, witness it in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of, of the grace of God. And so Paul is saying, look, I'm not going to see you again, but all I, I can't tell you everything that's going to happen. But I know what, what the Holy Ghost has already showed me that every, Paul, everywhere you go, there's going to be bonds and afflictions that await you. And yet he still says, none of these things move me. In other words, none of these things are going to stop him from doing what he's doing. None of these things that God has showed him about his life and future and how he's going to be received from place to place, and the persecutions that he's going to face. None of that serve to deter the man from doing what God called him to do. Not, nothing served to hinder him from not only finishing his course, but he wanted to finish it how he says with joy. So it didn't even take his joy from him. It was part of it. It goes with the territory. Does not mean our life is just miserable. It does mean that scriptures like in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you counted all joy when you suffer for righteousness sake, when you're persecuted for my great name's sake. Uh, happy are you. And he says, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So it's not the way that the world would think it, it would be. It certainly not would, would make our flesh happy, but it is what works in our spirit, man. And God's using the cross. He's using rejections by people. He's using fatigue. He's using sicknesses. He's using what's happening in our country. He's using what might be happening in some of your families and in some of your relationships. He's using that not to make us bitter old men and women that we're just hunker down. It's me against the world and we're bitter but to work an exceeding work of Christ in our life. That we would be disciplined, that we would be strong. Because y'all, we faced a lot of things, but we haven't seen anything like we're, go what we're going to face. 
Now, I know that we're going to be raptured. And one day He's coming, glorious day, we'll be raptured. But however long it is, if it's a day, a week, or you know, 10 years between now and then, we haven't faced heretofore what we're going to face in the future. God wants to prepare us for it. Amen? God wants to prepare us for it. And He's well able to do it. And I want to read a couple of quotes from this book. It says, While true discipline will never be easy on the flesh, its main purpose, discipline, its main purpose is to render us fit for a hard fight, to produce self-control, and to stiffen our wills for the things that lie ahead. So God's trying to work discipline, right? I always think about Clendenin, and, and I can't help but think about him. He had an important part in my life and probably many of our lives, just in our Christianity and the sermons and, and ministry. But in that that's, uh, sermon, Soldiers, he talks about, and I cannot say it nearly as good as Clendenin can say it, but he talked about him being, he wasn't saved at the time, being a, a young man who joined the Marine Corps to go fight in the early stages of World War II. And he ended up getting placed in some of the worst of all conditions and situations in Guadalcanal in the South Pacific, fighting the Japanese over there. He was part of that first group that went, or in that, the very early groups that went. And uh, But anyway, his training and basic training and in boot camp in the Marine Corps where the, the sergeant was coarse and, and would curse and you know, up two, three, four, and up and up before dawn and march in the rain and everything and hit the deck and all these kind of things. And, and, and he was thinking everybody wanted to kill this sergeant. They were either afraid of him or wanted to kill this drill sergeant, all these young men. They couldn't stand it. But as soon as they got, they crossed that Pacific and got into their fighting, as soon as he said, hit the deck, he said the first one that didn't hit the deck, the first one that said, huh? He was, he was dead. First one that said, what? What was that? What are we supposed to do? He was no longer living. That discipline that they learned, whether they liked it or not, fall in, fall out, up in the morning, you know, all stuff over and over and over and over and over again. He said to where it became second nature because in a minute you're getting ready to fight for your life. And the first one that questioned or was hesitant or, or wondered what they should do, that one was no longer there. And so th it's the discipline that's not to take sap every bit of joy out of life. It's discipline, discipline that God wants to work in our lives to be strong instead of weak. To be strong and courageous and to face what's coming to us even if it's seeming overwhelming to us. Even if it's a, the battle's long. Even if others are falling or turning tail and running. That we don't have to. I mean, David hastened, it says, with five smooth stone, stones that he picked up out of the brook. He actually ran out to meet Goliath. He, he sprinted out there. He was ready. Okay? God wants to make us ready. And He was trained and disciplined Tending those sheep. Nobody else thought any significance. I'm talking about young David. Being a shepherd, he's just out there doing, some, doing his thing with those few little sheep. And yet God was making him something out of the discipline of caring for those sheep and fighting for them. And, you know, killing a bear, killing a lion that stole the sheep. 
God taught his hands how to war. God taught him how to do that. And so it's not pleasant to the flesh. Discipline is not pleasant to the flesh. Just try to take off 10 pounds. You know, try to lose a little weight. Try to get up and say it's time to start exercising or whatever instead of sleeping. It's not pleasant to the flesh. But either we think there's a reward for it or not. And the discipline enables us to choose. This is an important thing. The discipline of the Lord, not just any old discipline, okay? But the discipline of the Lord enables us to choose the hard thing, to choose the hard thing in our life, if only it will make us a better soldier for Christ. So think, let it just sink in a little bit. If this will make me more like Jesus, if this will make me stronger in my faith, if this will prepare me more for what God has called me to in the future, like the Apostle Paul, bonds and afflictions await me, right? But I'm going to finish with joy. If this choice, I could take the easier road or maybe the more difficult road. I could compromise a little bit and take the easier road. I could stand firm in my doctrine, in my walk with God, in my whatever it may be, my commitment to Christ, my commitment to church, I'm gonna, I can stand firm in that, take the harder road. I, it enables me to choose the harder road if, if it will make me more like Jesus and if it will prepare me, make me a better soldier for Christ. Amen? And the Bible says, I, and I refer to it all the time. I don't apologize for referring to Moses that much, but he says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the, with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So what did that, what, what that faith? It was by faith. But he, he made a choice that would take discipline. Because having made that choice, he would have to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the luxury and, and pleasures and treasures of Egypt for a season. A season would have been however long he lived on this, this earthly life. So that discipline is helping us by faith we make a choice. I see the value in this spiritually. It's not pleasing or gratifying or pleasant or satisfying or comforting to the flesh or comfortable to the flesh. But I see the benefit in it. Okay? And God helps us to see the benefit in it. I just want to talk real quickly. We all know the story about Gideon. I'm sure all the, the children have heard Sunday school classes and it's a wonderful story. But Gideon, in the, in the time of the judges, there was no king. Every man was doing what's right in their own eyes. And that wasn't a good thing. The people of Israel were in the promised land, but they had uh, intermingled with the people. They were committing idolatry. Their hearts were far from the Lord. And God would allow oppressors to oppress them, to chasten them. And when, when they would come under heavy bondage and prolonged bondage, say to the Philistines, the Amalekites, the uh, Moabites, whoever it may have been, they would turn to the Lord and cry out to him for mercy and for deliverance. And God would raise up a deliverer. Gideon was one of those. Okay, And Gideon, when, when they're getting ready to fight the Amalekites, the Amalekites and the Midianites were spreading themselves with their camels, their tents. It was like they would do a pilgrimage to come and just trash the land of, of the Hebrews. They, they, when it was time for the crops to grow, their camels, everything would just stomp it up, eat it up. They just left it a wasteland when they were through. And it was their time to come do that. And they were like grasshoppers in numbers of people. 
uh, spreading themselves. Now God raises up Gideon to go and fight against them and throw off this oppression. He's going to deliver his people and he's going to use this man, Gideon, to do it. So there's a call for the men to show up. The Hebrew men to show up are going to go fight. Anybody remember how many showed up originally? There's 32,000 showed up originally. Now that's a pretty good force. It's still not any. It's a drop in the bucket compared to a lot of people think between 100 and 200,000 uh, of the Amalekites and the Midianites, all right? But anyway, 32,000, well, that's not bad. And God says, nope, it's too many. You know, I'm going I'm to pare them down because uh, he had his reasons. He didn't want glory to go to men, first of all, and say, we did it. A uh, special SWAT unit or something that, you know, a commando unit that could do it. But, but he, so he says, tell the people who's ever afraid, go home. <laughs> And that's just pretty blunt, right? Who's fearful? Go on, get on out of here and go. 22,000 left. Okay? At least they're honest, right? They were, they were honest cowards and they left. And he's left with 10,000. Lord says, nope, still too many. I want to purge them down further. We, we know the story. He gets the 10,000. Gideon tells the people to go down to the water to drink. And the Lord himself is observing to see. And, and it's a strange thing. And, and, and to, when I've looked at it and read it and I read different thoughts from different commentaries what was the difference there were people that of the 10,000 they went to the water and they basically put their face down the water and gulped it up like a like a dog would okay or an animal would drink a horse would drink from the water I'm not saying it's sinful it's just how they drank then there was others 300 to be exact that lap put the water from their hand and brought it to their mouth okay and raised it up. And the Lord says, by those 300 that scooped it up, put it to the mouth, I'm going to deliver Israel. And we could say from this, what does that have to do with our story on our lesson on discipline? The, the 10,000 that didn't leave, that weren't afraid, right? 22,000 went home. If you're afraid, go home. 10,000 stayed. They had courage. But the courage was not enough. They had to have ordered lives. They had to be disciplined. And some of the commentaries I've read have said that the ones who, who scooped the water to their mouth, and they, they didn't just drink to the full. Like the ones that stuck their face down in the water and gulped it up like a horse or a camel, uh, they probably just drank to their full, to they were kind of almost, you know, about to pop with water. And then they wouldn't really be prepared. This is one thought. I can't say that this is, you know, I'm not going to state my any doctrine on this, but it's an interesting thought. In the 300 that, that brought the water to their mouth, they had a few sips, they were up on their feet, and they were ready to roll. They were ready to go. And there was something about them that was more disciplined and ordered. And, and it wasn't just courage. Courage is wonderful, and we have to have God gives us that. Amen? And, and uh, you know, he gives us the strength to face the enemies and so forth. But we have to be somebody can have the courage of a lion, but not have any wisdom. They can have the courage of a lion, but yet be undisciplined. And they're the gung ho and they're going to be the first ones out there. And I'm not afraid of anything. But when things might not go like they thought they would, they might turn a tail and run or they don't know what to do. They're not really prepared, although they have all the courage in the world. And so it's important that that we be not only courageous. And again, the Lord gives that to us 
He tells us, don't be afraid and to, and to trust in Him, but we have to have an ordered life that's really prepared, that's disciplined. Yo, that's what He's doing. That's what He's doing. When you wake up tomorrow morning and maybe before your kids are awake, for example, and you're going to have your time with the Lord and read your Bible or you come to ladies' prayer like yesterday morning or we come to church on Wednesday night, we're, we're being disciplined. We're being strengthened. It's not just in vain. It's not just pointless. God is doing a work. We might not even see the, the full extent of it until we're in that position to stand like we've never had to stand before. And it all comes. It's like payday. It all we say we see it. We see it manifest the working of the Lord in our life. Discipline, self-control. Yes, courage and faith in God, but a disciplined, ordered life. Things aren't always going to go how you want. Can you stick in there and, and keep at it? You might fail the first 25 times. Can you do it a 26th time? You know what I mean? Can you, can you stay in there and keep at it? Can you keep going out and sharing the gospel? When maybe every single person you've handed a track to rolls their eyes and throws it in the trash can. Can you hand it to the next person the next day? And tell them about a resurrected Lord. That we're going to celebrate His resurrection this Sunday. We have to be not only courage, but a discipline and ordered life that's, that's really fit for the day and for the battle that lies ahead. Y'all ever heard of the Boer Wars? B-O-E-R War. The Boer War. This was in uh, right at the very end of the 1800s into the early 1900s. England was fighting against in South Africa over some of the claims of, of who would rule the territory there in South Africa. And things were going really bad for the British and it wasn't going well at all. They needed a spark. They needed a change. They needed something. And they called, the, uh, the government officials called upon uh, Lord Roberts. Now, I don't know a lot about him other than this this account that I'm about to give you. And they called Lord Robertson, who was a military man, and they explained to him how dark the situation was, how bleak it looked militarily and so forth. And they said, it's really bad. It's horrible. We're asking you to undertake this campaign. You take it over and go down there and, and head it up and try to get victory. Will, will you do it? And he very quietly and calmly says, yes. And they, they actually thought he didn't understand the question. Now, in other words, it's really bad down there. We're, things are really, really bad and bleak. And it's, it's going to be perilous. It's going to be very dangerous. Uh, will you sure you want to do it? Will you do it? He says, I've, I've been training for this moment for 20 years. So he, he was actually ready for it. Everybody else says it's bleak, it's terrible. And it was. He says, I've been training for this moment right now. 20 years of my life in the military, I've been training for this. I'm absolutely going to go. And no soldier is made in a day. Soldier is not made in a day. And a soldier for the King of Kings is not made in a day either. We have to be trained. We can be saved in a moment. As soon as we turn to Christ by faith, we're saved. But to be prepared to serve Him, to do what He's called us to do, uh, it takes preparation. And so uh, we see these 300 men of Gideon, right? And they had to 
to be prepared and disciplined and ready for what God had for them, the specifics. And they were going to face overwhelming odds. And y'all, we, you know that we're facing overwhelming odds. We're not underdogs because, you know, the Lord's with us, right? If God be for us, who can be against us? But we're facing overwhelming odds. Just then, like I said, our desires for our country are in this life. To, to try to snatch someone from the, from the hands of the devil and bring them into the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do. And to continue to do it. And continue to do it. And to serve Him. And to represent Him. And to be His ambassador. And to be a minister of reconciliation. We are facing all of, all of hell is coming against us. And now since all of the, the nations, governments, schools, businesses, everything's coming under the the influence and the siding with Antichrist, I guess you would say, and under the, under the control of Antichrist, we can see it. And it's us. Here we are. But we have the Lord in us. But he's, we have to be prepared to stand. Not only to be courageous, but to, to stand against overwhelming odds. We also have to be prepared like these 300. You know what else they had to be prepared for? Not only did the ridiculous numbers of the Amalekites they were going to fight, 300 men, 301 Count Gideon, that they were going to fight, that was overwhelming enough. They had to be prepared and disciplined. We're going to stay, we're going to stay trusting the Lord. We're going to keep our eyes on the Lord. We're going to be obedient to God. We're going to do what He tells us to do. He's going to give us victory. They had to walk in that. Okay, but they also had to be prepared to face what seemed ridiculous. Do you know how they fought? Sometimes God calls us to do things that seem ridiculous. Peter, we don't have any money to pay our taxes with us. We don't want to offend these people. Go down to the sea, cast your line in, and the first fish you pull up is going to have money in his mouth. I want you to get the money out of the fish's mouth. It'll be enough to pay your taxes and mine. I mean, it's bizarre. It's ridicule. I mean, it's ridiculous. And people would think, what are you doing, Peter? You've been a fisherman all your life. You never caught one that had a gold, gold coin in his mouth. Just waiting for you to take it. So we have to be able to, ready to face discipline in order to say, okay, the Lord says, I'm sending you up against this mighty foe. David, I'm sending you against Goliath. But the battle belongs to me, David. He had to know that. Had the courage and the discipline to actually go out there and do it. But he also, we have to have the, the courage to do what seems just plain old ridiculous or ludicrous sometimes that God calls us to. That even others in the church would think, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you're going to leave your good job. You're going to leave that. You're going to go be a missionary over here. You're going to leave all that. How are, you, how are your children going to eat? How are you going to feed them? You know, what kind of life will they have? We have to be ready to, to discipline, to face that type of thing as well. These 300 men went out with pitchers and lamps inside the pitchers and ram's horns to blow. That's what they had. And, and Gideon just says, whatever you see me do, do the same thing. And they go out at midnight, right? And they got their lamps and their pictures where the, lit, the light is hidden. And they blow their ram's horns. And they say the Lord, sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They break the pictures. All of a sudden the light's shining. They've surrounded. They had to be really spread out. But they had surrounded the host of the Midianites. 
And the people, God had already fixed the fix. Alright? God had already put the fear of Gideon in these men. And they thought, oh my goodness, this is nothing. This is Gideon. We're done for. And they actually started killing one another. Now it's crazy, but they had to be disciplined, right? They had to carry this plan through with courage, but also order, do what I do. Stick with the game plan. Stay with it. Well, this is ridiculous. We don't even have weapons and bows and arrows and we're not riding horses and chariots of iron. Just do what, what, you know, it looks ridiculous. They had to be prepared for that, right? They had to be disciplined to do that. God may call us to things uh, that seem ridiculous. And so uh, I can promise you he's going to call us things that seem ridiculous. And I remember when the Lord called D and I, uh, we'd been married one year and I had a little job and she had a job that she had had before we got married. And the Lord called us into full-time ministry specifically to go on the road and travel and sing and, and uh, sometimes minister you know, through the Word, but primarily music. And it, no, it made no sense at all. I mean, what, what, are you going to have a salary? Are you going to have a, you know, no. We're going we're gonna to get whatever God provides for us from the places we go. Well, you know, sometimes we would go, it would be very little. We might drive a couple hours away and bring all our sound equipment when we finally could afford to get that and set it up and uh, finally afford to get a van to put it all in and that kind of thing. And, and sing and come back and, oh, we for, they forgot to take up a love offering. It, nothing. And go again next time and maybe $25. I mean, it wasn't even enough for gas to go. And, and then the next time it might be 500 you, you just wouldn't know. But God somehow for the period of eight or eight years or so provided for us to, to live. And then part of that time with two little boys. Um, it seemed ridiculous. And we had a Christian brother who loved the Lord and we loved dearly. Who said, Randy came up to me, pulled me aside and said, Randy, Randy, you can't do this. It's crazy. How are you going to provide for your family? You got this is not the Lord. This is not God's will. And he's telling me not to do it. And yet we knew we'd heard from the Lord. This is not coming from the world. This is this is somebody in the church. And you just have to be disciplined to say, this is what I'm called to do. This is what my Lord has called me to do. Right. And uh, and there's a discipline that comes that soldiers not made in a day. But the Bible says, and you know that the scripture in 2 Timothy 2, 4, where it says, Now no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. So every believer is called to be a soldier. And every soldier of the Lord cannot be entangled. Like we talked about Sunday, the seed and the sower, right? Cares of this life. Every soldier cannot be entangled with the affairs of this life. We're involved with the things of this life, but we're, we're tangled, if you want to say so, with the Lord. That's where we're bound up. That's what we're committed to. And He sends us out and we do what He's called us to do. And if He calls us to do something over here, I can't be saying, well, I can't do it, Lord, because I'm bound up over here with something in the world. Something, in, You know what I'm saying? We can't be 
uh, entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. We're involved with the things of this life. We do them as unto the Lord. But when he says, okay, you've done that long enough and I'm going to move you here, or you need to let go of that and do this, we need to be able to be freed up. We need to be freed up and not entangled because we have one that we're trying to please. I'm not trying to please this world. I'm trying to save the world in the sense of bringing the gospel to them, but I'm not trying to please this world, to make this world happy with me and to fit in and be buddy buddies with the world. That's not what we're called to do. And so uh, one, one uh, minister says that our, our, our Lord basically is like in Gideon's day, he's looking at the 32,000 and he's trying them and 22,000 leave and he's looking at the soldiers and, and then 9,700 leave and he's left with 300. One minister said it's, it's as though the Lord in our day and in our churches is walking up and down the aisles. He's watching us in our churches. He's walking up and down in our aisles to see who, who's ready who is prepared? Who is disciplined? Who can I use? I always liken it to this. If somebody's going to uh, go into battle and they're going to reach into that, what's that thing called you put your arrows in? There's a name for it. What is it? Okay. Well, if he's going to reach in there's quiver and pull out an arrow, uh, I want him to be able to reach in and grab me because I'm ready. Amen. I'm ready. He can grab Randy and says, oh, no, not that one. That, it's halfway cracked and I need a good one. If he's got something he wants to do, I want him, I don't want to be the reason that he doesn't use me. I want him to be able to say, I can reach in that quiver anytime and get Randy. A vessel of honor, meet for the master's use, right? Prepared unto every good work. Prepared, that means there's a preparation for it. And so, uh, God has to prepare us for these things and he is preparing us. And I think one of the ways he 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 looks at our lives and one of the times that he looks at our lives is when everything's going easy and it's your it's your time and you can do what you want. What do you do with that time? I think that's an important thing. Getting us ready for the battle. Um, he, he's just he's watching. I know that the Lord is watching. He's also speaking to us. He's also helping us. OK, he's not detached from us. But if I'm not a vessel of honor, if I'm not an arrow that's in the quiver that he can grab at any minute to get ready, then I want him to speak to me and say, Randy, you, I can't. I want to use you. I wanted to use you yesterday, but I couldn't. How do you use so, so and so? Because you weren't ready. You haven't been praying like you should. You didn't hear my voice. I'm, I tried to call you and you didn't hear or, or feel the unction of the leading of my spirit leading you to do such and such. You understand what I'm saying? He'll, he'll tell us that. But it's, it's very important that we be prepared. And so the question is going to be our reaction. And I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but our reaction to the difficult, our reaction to the painful, to the unpopular, to the scary. How are we going to react to that? God wants us to be disciplined like those young Marines on Guadalcanal, okay? Or like the 300 in Gideon's day. There's a lot still to be done. I'll close with uh, 
just one thought here. Napoleon, now this is strictly in a, in a natural sense, not a spiritual sense, but we're going to relate it to the spiritual. He was addressing his troops in Piedmont and in a certain battle that they were going to, and he was actually praising his men. He said, you've, gained, you've won battles without cannons. You have passed rivers without bridges up to this point. You have performed forced marches without shoes. You have, I'm using the word, camped along the way, often without bread. He says, thank you for your perseverances. But soldiers, you have done nothing, for there remains much to do. They were getting ready to go into a bigger battle. All those things they had already done. He says, thank you. Thank you for doing that. But really, you've done nothing. There's a whole lot that still needs to be done. And I would think that we've served the Lord. Praise God. He's not unrighteous to forget our labor for the Lord. We're going to receive rewards for those things. Hallelujah. But we're still living now in an ungodly, dark, sinful world. That tells me there's still much to be done. If there wasn't much to be done, we would have already been raptured, I believe. It means there's still much to do. And so we have to lay aside and I guess minimize in our own minds and thoughts the sacrifices that we've made up to this point. Say, well, Lord, I've done this for you. I've taken a stand for you here and I've done this and I could have had a better paying job and I could have done this and I could... All these kind of things. Stop exalting my sacrifices. They're really minimal. They're petty little sacrifices that we've made. And we need to see them as just, it's reasonable. It's our reasonable service. It's, I'm not saying that we beat ourselves up. You understand what I mean? But when we think, well, I've done a lot for the Lord. I've sacrificed a lot for the Lord. Jesus Christ laid down his life. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So our sacrifices are nothing. They're just nothing. We open with the scripture in Acts. Paul, the Holy Ghost told Paul, everywhere you go, bonds and afflictions are going to wait for you. You're going to be stoned. You're going to be beat. You're going to be, you know, left for dead. You're going to be shipwrecked. You're going to be in prison. Uh, you're going to be beaten with rods and chained up in prison. He says, that's nothing. None of these things move me. I want to finish my course with joy. I want to finish with my Lord and Savior because he saved me. I think sometimes we don't think hell is real. He saved us from hell. It's eternal. Where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. It's, it's a place of torment, of conscious being aware and pain and torment that never ends. There's no relief. There's not a five minute break. It never ends. And he saved me from that. And he saved me from the power of sin. And he actually adopted me into his family. We're joined heirs with Jesus. So if he says, take this job where you don't make as much money and take this job over here. I'm just saying an example. Uh, you know, get up and go share the gospel with some people. And we say, oh, what sacrifices I've made. Anybody lost any friends because you're stand for God? I have. Anybody lost family members, been cut off? Because of your stand for the Lord? Sure we have. 
And we think, wow, what I've given to the Lord, what sacrifices I made. And we have to count those as nothing. They're just nothing. God is good to us. It's temporary, y'all. It's temporary. This fight is going to be temporary. Be disciplined. Let the Lord discipline your life. I want to close with this scripture. Do you can come if you would. Everybody turn to your Bibles. We'll close with 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Very familiar passage of scripture. 16 through 18. Right at the end of the chapter. We'll close with this. And then the altar is going to be open. He's going to be playing. For which cause? So there's a cause. And didn't David say, is there not a cause? When he went and fought Goliath. It seems crazy. It seems you don't have any weapons. Really, he's a, he's a warrior. He's 10 feet high. You know, uh, and David says, but there's a cause. There's a call of God. There's a reason I'm going out here. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perisheth. I just see discipline all in this little passage, okay? Though our outward man perisheth. Yet the inward man is renewed or strengthened day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look, that's faith, y'all. So look of faith. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Y'all stay with me tonight. On Wednesday nights, I'll be honest, I, the Lord's had me not try not to go as long. Typically, maybe it's a Sunday morning that we would have at least a few minutes. I know everybody's busy and you'll have a full day tomorrow. But even if it's just a few minutes to come to the altar, to seek the Lord, to take what's been spoken to your heart and life and ask God to work it in you. I know that I need discipline. I'm talking about Christian discipline. I need it in my life. It'll carry over to other areas of your life, by the way. But God has, is preparing us because there's much work still to be done. Amen? He's preparing us at Cornerstone. He's preparing you. And Father, we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus.